Welcome to the show here today, guys. We are so glad that you're here and making this show a part of your day. And I'm not alone today. It is Thursday, and that means returning triumphantly is one Aaron Cummings. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here. Hello, hello, hello. And what an exciting topic to talk about. You know, last week was, or no, this week on Monday was actually National Coming Out Day. So uh, as a happy bisexual woman myself, is uh, monogamously married to a man. Yes, it's possible. Um, I say good for them and good for Robert. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> things have been great. It's been busy. I've missed you guys all so, so much. There's been a lot going on. As you can see behind me, I have a wall. Uh, the construction is finally finished. And, Not everybody and knows you've been, doing, you've been doing renovations. Not everybody knows that you, Tom, had been doing a whole bunch of renovations over there. Oh my gosh, yes, the nursery is officially behind me. And speaking of nursery, there's been all sorts of fun little gifts that have come in. Jackson Masterson, who is a viewer of the show, got these cute little booties for the baby. And Crazy Joe Fiore, also a viewer, got us some really fun gifts from our baby list registry. And my friends, John and Ann Campia, <laughs> in addition to a really cool uh, techie thing gadget for our nursery, got little baby Degnan, this little baby Yoda. <laughs> Of course we like, did. <laughs> hand knit. Like, I don't even know how this, what is this, a merkin? Like, how does this that's, diaper that's thing? Like robe. That's the color of his robe it's thing. It's a loincloth, the little, like, baby Yoda loincloth. And there's even a little light a little lightsaber isn't this the cutest <laughs> thing in the world? So, I mean, just the, the, the generosity um, uh, of you guys out there going to our baby list registry and getting us adorable little additions for the little one who's coming very soon, as well as uh, the generosity of John and Ann. Um, our baby shower was last weekend, but also on a totally separate but completely professional note, which I thought some of you guys might be interested in, um, I had the honor of working with john patrick shanley right. recently uh for those of you who don't know he has won he won the academy award for writing moonstruck he won the tony for writing doubt he has won a pulitzer and just about every other conceivable award that is out there um, if you have ever been in an acting class, I promise you have seen scenes from John Patrick Shanley, whether it's Dreamer Examines His Pillow, uh, just a million of them. And uh, he has been he is probably in my top three most favorite living playwrights. And uh, I was basically just got a call out of the blue for a new play that he is developing. And it was a one night only reading here in Los Angeles, um, but it was on its feet, mostly off book. The character was incredible and, and, and complicated and wonderful as John Patrick Shanley is a master at doing, but very cool was uh, very cool. That's not a proper t grammar, but the really cool thing about this for me personally was that uh, John was actually at the reading and I had a chance to reach out to him in advance. We had a 40 minute Zoom call one on one and had lunch together. And uh, when when John Patrick Shanley is texting you and you've been obsessed with his writing for 20 years, it's a pretty cool feeling. And I have to say that on a professional level, um, things have been a little bit of a shit show for me for the past couple of weeks. And so that was a massive highlight and, uh, I, and, and definitely made me feel like when one door closes, 
certainly another window opens. And that was a big one. So if you're not familiar with John Patrick Shanley's work, please check it out. And if the play drop off ever uh, happens to come to your attention, that is the play that we did. And I'm hoping that it will continue to grow and develop and will potentially be headed to a theater near you soon. Well, there you go, uh, guys. Check that stuff out. And listen, we are really happy that you guys are here and joining us today. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break it into two parts. The first half of the show, we take some pre-set up topics. And in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. If you want to get a live comment or question on the show or an upcoming companion video, simply click on the tip link that's down in the description of this video. Or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show, of course, if if it's appropriate for our show and of course you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved here with the show thank you guys so much for your support okay guys before we get into our main topics here today we got a couple of off the tops and the first one we're gonna go with is this uh disney plus of course is becoming very 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 active with the mcu stuff we've already had wandavision we've already had falcon the winter soldier we've already had loki we've got next up we've got coming hawkeye now, I've always loved the Hawkeye character. I love the Hawkeye character. I think he's great in the MCU. But I've never really been all that interested in a standalone thing for Hawkeye. Much like Black Widow. I love the Black Widow character. Never really all that interested in a standalone Black Widow thing. But same thing with Hawkeye. But we do have this Hawkeye series coming. Now, of course, they dropped the first trailer a little while ago. And today, this morning, they actually put out another one-minute uh, spot, some of which is the same footage we saw in the previous trailer, but there's also some new stuff in there as well. And so, Aaron, I sent over a link to you this morning because uh, I don't think you had had a chance to see this new spot yet. And what did you think about the new Hawkeye spot? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it because, you know, the biggest thing for me is I have always wondered what is Hawkeye actually like? Because I feel like of all of the MCU characters that we see in the Avengers, he is the one character that doesn't seem to have much of a personality at all. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's about. He's usually lurking in the shadows like some creeper with his bow and arrow. And I'm like, <laughs> is this guy cool? Is he, is he just kind of weird? And from the jump on this trailer, I first of all, it's a Christmas, you know, it, it's got the Christmas theme. So automatically I'm getting diehard vibes. I'm feeling really excited about that. And, um, you know, it's like always a cross between diehard and home alone. Is it a Christmas movie? Is it not? I say yes on both of those. And clearly now we have another reason to get excited about the holidays, which is Hawkeye getting a personality for once, finally, or at least for, for those of us who have not paid attention to what's going on in the, in the actual written comic books, those of us who just know him on the screen. Um, I, I, I'm really excited about this. I, I, I think it's going to be an excellent, um, um, an excellent opportunity for people to get more excited about yet another MCU character. And his daughter looks amazing. And is that his daughter? No, I'm no, not this, even, no, it's not his daughter. That? Haley Steinfeld. Oh. That no, that's another character from the MCU being introduced here that some people think she's going to be brought into the young Avengers, but yes, not his daughter, just so you know, oh, but, yes, okay. well, but there you go. But that's the thing is, you know, so there you go. I, another chance for us to meet even more characters in the MCU. Um, 
regardless, I was excited about it. I thought it was very well done. And the holidays in New York are, that's just one of the best places to be. So I love that that was, uh, that's where they're sitting. And what were you saying about having just seen Hamilton and what this trailer said to you? Oh my God. So Anne and I just went to go see Hamilton again at the Pantages and like, it's just increased my desire to see Rogers, the musical. I mean, and then this, see this trailer again. I mean, I, I want to see Rogers, the musical. And of course we got to see Thor in Rogers, the musical in this trailer. We didn't get to see that in the last trailer. Uh, So that was fun to see. I'll tell you what though. I, I sat down and I watched this trailer uh, today and I think it's every bit of the big bag of shit that the first trailer was. I don't like it. I don't like it. I know I'm alone. Everybody else (laughs) likes the Hawkeye trailers. Everybody else loves them, but you're all living in darkness. You're all living under a lie. I need people. But see, now where the tables have turned. See, I hated the Eternals Eternals trailer. trailer, Yep. Now, I wasn't shitting on the Eternals movie. I am excited about seeing the movie. And I was shitting about the trailer. But wow, I'm really surprised. It's just got so many like feel goody, fun moments. And we get to see his personality. And then he has a sense of humor. And, you know, he's kind of like a little snarky and butthurt about the Rogers the musical. I just thought it was just pure fun. And I like the fact that it was... Um, for a series, not for a movie. Yeah, really, you didn't yeah. like it for the series? Yeah, I, 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 okay, so here was my complaint about the first Hawkeye trailer, and this one just kind of doubled down on it. I was like, to me, and you know, I am a big MCU fan. Come on, I'm a big MCU fan. I, I like the MCU stuff very, very much. But, you know, I feel like the, the, the trailer so far to me, it felt like every illegitimate complaint that non MCU fans like MCU haters make about the, Oh, it's just all jokey, jokey. And it's just, and that's not true at all, but they do make those complaints. And I feel like these trailers have been the physical embodiment of all those bullshit complaints about the MCU. It's like, well, there it is. Now look, 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 I believe the series will be good. I do. I love Haley Stanfield. I like, I love her a lot. I, I think there are definite moments that put grin on my face. I don't know. It's just that coming out of Hawkeye where the last time we saw him, he was stricken with overwhelming grief over the loss of Black Widow because of the events of Endgame. And then all of a sudden it's, it's the most wonderful time (laughs) of the year. And it's like, I mean, look, I'll probably end up liking the show. I probably will. And listen, timeline, schmimeline, who cares? I know everybody. I know (laughs) that I'm alone. I know that I'm alone. I know everybody else likes this trailer and that's great. I, it just still is not for me yet. It's still just not for, by the way, I just want to throw in then Ben Rayner and uh, Wiley A send in a super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you guys very, very much. But uh, yeah, so that's my thoughts. Our question is for you guys. What do you think of the new Hawkeye spot? Maybe you're like everybody else on the planet and absolutely find it charming and adorable and lovely. Maybe you're like me, the Grinch, the Christmas Grinch that I look at and I just go, oh God, this just looked way too silly for me. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. Uh, let's move to another off the top here and sticking with the MCU for now, another little bit of news just dropped this morning, which is this we've known for some time that one of the new series that Disney plus has been developing, you know, speaking of Hawkeye 
has been a secret invasion series that we knew was going to star Samuel L. Jackson. And that's been talking about. Now, we haven't heard a lot about it ever since the kind of it first came up saying that they were going to do it. As a matter of fact, some people have even been speculating and wondering if it's even going to be happening at all. Well, we can now say for sure it's still going to be happening because they've actually started shooting it. Samuel L. Jackson took to his social media and he let the world know that they are indeed now already shooting Secret Invasion. I'll get to his post here. There's this the post that Samuel Jackson put up uh, with a picture of uh, Nick Fury on his shirt being snapped. He says, time to get back to the into the groove. Happy to be back on the attack. Hashtag secret invasion. Hashtag fuck that snap. Hashtag back with the fury. Uh, that comes to us uh, from Samuel Jackson on his social media. Now, there's still not a lot known about secret invasion, the series. But like most things Marvel... It's going to be very different from the comic series. You know, Ultron was very different from the Age of Ultron stuff in the the comics. Civil War was very different from Civil War in the comics. Uh, This is going to be very different because if you know Secret Invasion, it's basically based on the notion that the Skrulls have been secretly replacing heroes on Earth, like a lot of people on Earth with their with their doppelgangers, like like they're shapeshifters and stuff like that. Well, in the cinematic universe, Skrulls are allies. And we also see uh, Ben Mendelsohn is returning to Secret Invasion. He's going to be playing, I believe the character's name is Talos, He's who's the leader of the Skrulls. So he's in it. Him and Samuel Jackson are leading this series. So it's obviously going to be different than the Secret Invasion series that we got in the comic books. So I have right now no idea what this show is actually going to be about because you're kind of taking away the main heart and soul of what the comic story was. Which leaves us in, honestly, a little bit of an exciting place. We have no idea what this is really going to be. Are they going to say there's another race of shapeshifters? Are they going to say there was a offshoot of the Skrulls, like maybe a not-so-friendly, nice, peaceful you know, Skrulls that aren't under Talos that maybe split off for him? Are they going to say it's something absolutely, completely different? Don't know. For all we know... Maybe Nick Fury is going to be kind of the antagonist of the show. Probably not, but I'm just saying it could be. So I don't know. Anyway, Aaron, I love yes. I love having MCU and DC topics on when you're here because oh, you gosh. are not you are not the hardcore comic book reader. You're not you represent when it comes to this stuff, unlike other genres of movies, when it comes to this stuff, you represent really the average moviegoer in a lot of ways. You don't have a lot of that background knowledge or information. So let me ask you this. Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn reprising their characters from the MCU. Of course, they were together in the Captain Marvel movie. They've got the secret invasion. It's now coming. Are you excited for this? Do you still feel like you just have no idea what's going on? Are you looking forward to it? Do you not care? Where's your thoughts on this right now? Well, I don't really have a lot of uh, enthusiasm only because, like I said, I, you know, I'm I'm not like you said, excuse me. I don't come from a big uh, from a, a, a knowledgeable history of these characters. And for the most part, the thing that we love seeing Sam Jackson do, which is. Sam Jackson. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of as Nick Fury, which I appreciate because that's not Nick Fury. It's Sam Jackson. Um, 
But again, I, I, I love when we get to see more of their personality, when we get to see more of who they are um, and some of their eccentricities. The thing that makes Thor, for me, this is my personal opinion, not speaking on behalf of all non-comic book you know, fanatics out there, but for me, what I love about Thor is that he's charming and charismatic and he's really funny. Um, not just the fact that he's got the hammer and that he has long blonde hair or that he's the prince. It's not those things. It's the fact that he's just got this quirky sort of guy next door personality that makes him really enjoyable to watch and quite relatable. So I am excited to find out what about Nick Fury is enjoyable and relatable for the rest of us. And that's one of the things that I do love about the MCU um, films and television shows is that they have these wild characters that are so um, out of the ordinary from what any of us are used to, but they make them very relatable. I was watching an interesting um, piece yesterday that Taika Waititi was doing and he said you know how do you make these characters that are so unrelatable relatable well you just find the thing that makes them common to everybody else and you focus in on that and then the superhero aspect of it is just laid on top so I'm I'm not excited just to hear that they're filming but I am excited about the possibility of learning more about who these characters are um, and what makes them you know stars just like us (laughs) Um, Listen, uh, somebody in the live chat, Peter Cunnington, asks a very poignant question in the live chat when it comes to this, because obviously we just talked yesterday about how Mandalorian season three has just started shooting. Now we know Secret Invasion has just started shooting. That's all well and good. But Peter Cunnington asks, what if IATSE goes on strike on Monday? What if the IATSE goes? Well, guess what? Congratulations. Congratulations that you started shooting. It stops. It all yeah. stops if this happens on Monday. And I'm still keeping fingers crossed that they are able to, you know, come to an agreement. Or if they do go on strike, that they'll the strike will be short, that they'll be able to come to agreement pretty quick. But yeah, yeah, they started shooting. I think shooting. the strike is going to be short because uh, I don't think that the people that um, are be, or that IOTC is negotiating with really understand how absolutely effed in the a everyone will be <laughs> because IATSE is the backbone of our entire industry and to all my uh, IATSE brothers and sisters out there I firmly stand with you in solidarity I've been talking to a lot of my fellow uh, SAG-AFTRA members and uh, we're standing in support of you guys so when you win we all win so thank you for what you're doing all right guys question is for you we got Samuel Jackson coming out now saying that maybe some guys even forgot that it was happening, but they've already started shooting Secret Invasion. What do you guys think about that? Jump on down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys, one more off the top we're going to do, and that is this. Uh, there's a movie coming to Netflix that has one of the most ridiculous ridiculously talented casts I've heard of in a long time. It's a Western called The Harder They Fall. Now, we talked about the trailer a couple of weeks ago. I love the trailer. I thought the trailer was great. And, you know, you got a cast like Jonathan Majors, who, of course, was just in Lovecraft Country. He's now Kang the Conqueror. You had Idris Elba. You have the goddess Regina King. You have Lakeith Stanfield, who's becoming Stanfield, who's becoming one of my favorite guys to watch in Hollywood. You have the incredible Delroy Lindo. You have Zazie Beats and just on and on. It's just a, a terrific, incredible cast. So last night, 
I had the opportunity to watch the movie. I think it comes out on Netflix in a couple of weeks. I can't remember exactly when, but I had the chance to watch this on Netflix last night. Um, this movie is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Like to the point, I remember I was watching, a friend of mine was over watching and about three quarters of the way through the film, I put this up on Twitter. He just kind of said out loud, this movie has all the emotional weight of a ham sandwich. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Now I want to point out now, look, normally about 80 or 90% of the time, I find myself in alignment with what the majority of critics think. Like if the majority of critics like something, I usually find that I like it too. If the majority of the critics don't like something, I usually find I don't like it, like it either. But sometimes it's different. Right now, this movie, The Harder They Fall, has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. 81%. That doesn't seem that bad. Yes. No, that's very good. My question is, what the fuck movie did they watch? I, and, and, and I say that understanding all film is subjective. It absolutely is. I'm not taking any of that away from that. But I am so dumbfounded by this. I cannot help but shake my head and say, what the fuck movie did they watch? This movie is awful. Like, it's awful with a capital A. And you know what? I'm not going to give away like things like um, the main sort of... Uh, what's the best thing I'm looking for? I'm not going to give away like the main... Uh, plot reveals or anything here, but I'm going to give away a couple of details about the film right now just to illustrate how truly terrible this movie is, okay? Again, I'm not going to give away the big twist at the end. I'm not going to give away a lot of that stuff, but there's a few moments of the film that I'm going to give away. If you want to know nothing about the harder they fall, then tune out for a couple of minutes and then come back in and join us. But here's the thing. So there's this part of the movie. This is just an illustration, okay? This is just an illustration, Aaron. There's a part of the movie where, okay, so the basic gist of the movie is this. Jonathan Majors is was wronged, you know this from the trailer, was wronged by Idris Elba's character at some point, and they both run gangs, right? And Idris Elba's character is a bad, bad man, and Jonathan Majors is out to get him for revenge, right? So that's the thing. So they And, and Zazie Beetz is with... Um, is with Jonathan Majors. Regina King is on uh, uh, Idris Elba's side. Okay? Following me here, Aaron? So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a part in the movie, and again, this is just to illustrate how absolutely absurd this whole film is. There's a part in the movie where Jonathan Majors and his gang, and he's with Zazie Beetz, are looking down at the town where they know Idris Elba is, and it's nighttime. And and Zazie Beetz says, I'm going to go into town I'll be back by morning. I'm going to go get the lay of the land. I'm going to go figure out what's their strength down there because they run the town, right? So I'm going to go down there and get their strength and everything. And he's like, no, it's too dangerous. And she goes, oh, I'm not asking your permission. And okay, whatever. So she goes down. And she's famous, by the way. She's infamous. Like she's, she's stagecoach Mary. She's infamous. Like everybody knows who she is, right? So she goes into town and is literally riding her horse alone down the middle of the street with all these Idris Elba guards looking at her and she rides right up to the saloon and she gets captured. And like, you're thinking, oh, so there's a plan that we, the audience don't know about. No, 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 no plan. She just rode right into town and they capture her. Oh, and they beat her up good, right? Like Regina King is beating on her and stuff like that. So, you know, now you go back to Jonathan Majors and his gang. It's like, all right, well, we got to go into town and save her. 
no plan. They literally ride into town, four horses wide, right down the middle of the street. And so they bring out Stagecoach Mary and say, you come with us or we kill her. Oh, okay, I guess we got caught. So they capture him and beat the shit out of him. And meanwhile, all of us, there's me, Ann, and two of our friends are sitting down watching this movie. It's like, it's like, wait a minute. What the actual fuck? That's the story? Like, that's the plan these characters had? Let's walk into the town and ride right down the middle and get caught. And then there's this whole bank robbery thing that's, that, gets, that they have to do. Then it ends up they didn't need to do the bank robbery at all. Oh, and this is where, like, the, the cream of the crop happened. Do you know what a facade is in sex, yeah. Aaron? Okay, for those of you who yeah. don't know what a facade is, when you go on like the Universal uh, Studio Tour or the Warner Brothers Lot Tour or things like that, a facade is like a set on a street, right? And you see a big building, but it's not a building. If you go behind it, you see it's just a big piece of wood that is made to look like the front of a building, right? It's fake. It's a facade. It's not a real house. It's just the front of the house with nothing behind it, right? Aaron, I kid you not. There are three shots, no less than three. There might have been more that I missed. There are three shots because, you know, a lot of it takes place in this town, this Western town. There's no less than three shots where you literally see the back of the facades. There were they Mm. literally like you got Delroy Lindo standing in the street. Delroy Lindo's awesome. And behind him, you see the back of one of the building facades. So it's just this. Sheet wood with the with the braces on it holding up the front of the building. It's like, wait, was that just a facade? And then they go back to the shot again. It's like, oh my god, they just showed the facade twice. And it's like, did oh nobody god. know this? And then, like, just it's it's so bad. The movie is terrible. It's and it's too bad too because the story of it, like the basic elevator pitch of this movie is great you've got these okay, great well, what is the elevator pitch elevator pitch Give me jonathan, the two sentence version of what this movie's about uh okay as a young man jonathan majors as, as a young boy jonathan majors characters witness his parents murdered by idris elba idris elba then goes to jail but is broken out by his old gang now years later and jonathan majors is the head of his own gang and vows revenge to get Ed, idris elba it's great love awesome. it Awesome. Yeah. And you got Lakeith in there and you got Regina in there. You got Zazie Beats in there. You got Idris Elba. Del Del- it's an amazing cast. On and on and on and on. Clearly very talented <sighs> performers. I was so excited about this movie. Like I don't like when I get screening links, I just sit down and pop on on Rick. But I was so excited with this movie. I invited a couple of buddies to come over to the house to sit down and watch with us. I got I ordered food. I was like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. The trailer hey, by the was way, great. note oh. to everybody watching: there was one friend that was not invited. Just letting you. Well, guys I was going to make you drive in from Los Angeles for it. I mean, friends who live like within I mean, fifteen minutes of me. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, I, I yeah, I hear you're going to watch a movie. I'm like, well, I'll watch it at home. But then I hear that you're ordering <laughs> food, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why wasn't I invited? Okay, but yeah, so you order all this food. You're expecting this is going to be amazing, and then you all sit down, and it's just a big turd sandwich. Now, actually, Lloyd Lester is asking a, a, a question. He's joking around, but honestly, Lloyd Lester in the live chat is saying, John, did you apologize to your friends? I kid you not. When the credits started to roll, I leaned forward, hit mute on the TV, and I turned to my left, my one buddy, Matt. I turned to my right, my other buddy, Ryan. I said, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am really sorry that I just wasted your evening. Um, I wanted to love this movie, 
But again, and look, all film is subjective. I mean, you may watch this thing and you may love it. And that's that's great. Like like I said, let me bring this up here again. Eighty one percent. It's got on rotten now. Grant, there's only twenty six reviews so far, but I expect that number to go down. But then again, I don't expect it to be as high as it is right now. But listen, don't just take my word for it. It does have an eighty one percent of Rotten Tomatoes right now, which means some of you guys will like it. I am only telling you what my experience was. This movie was utter rubbish. Better than I could make, for sure, but utter rubbish nonetheless. And it's really too bad because the talent in this movie is ridiculous. Can you look great. up for me real quick or or let me know and I'll look up for it? I'm curious to see who wrote the screenplay and who directed it because that's where the... Seal's the, little brother. Seal's little brother. See, you know Seal? The singer? Yeah. His little brother. That's who wrote it? He wrote it and directed it and wrote all the songs. He wrote all the music in it. So let me is just... He bring, a, I is, think is it was his first usually, time directing he, it. I think it was his first time directing. His name's James Samuel. By the way, he spells his first name really cool. J-E-Y-M-E-S. I actually, I'm, I'm actually really, very envious of that. That's a really cool name. Um... So, okay, so he has directed a couple of... Well, John, you could always change the spelling of your name to J-A-H-H-H-H-N. I want to start... John Campia. I want to start my name with a silent Q. So Q (laughs) something... Okay, so he directed a a Jay-Z short called Jay-Z Legacy. And then he he did another Western movie back in 2004. 14 i want to say called they die by dawn when did he do that 2013 um but he hasn't done anything since and so other than a jay-z short uh so he wrote the film he directed the film he wrote most of the songs in the film and he also clearly watched about five Quentin Tarantino movies and said, that's cool. I want to do that. And then try to put in a lot of Quentin Tarantino things into it. Um, Which to be fair, Quentin Quentin Tarantino basically watched a bunch of Kurosawa films and said, I want to do that. And so, you know, we all copy, we all copy filmmakers that we admire. But it's it's distinct. But Tarantino's films are distinctly Tarantino. There's a lot of influences. Yes. But I'm telling you, like you watch this movie and you're like, oh, that's directly lifted from Tarantino. And that's directly. I mean, there are worse guys to lift lift from, but you got to be Tarantino in order I, I don't know, guys. I listen. Well, especially it, for Westerns, you know, I mean, I feel like Tarantino is um, and, and I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. But I feel like if you're going to do a Western, Quentin Tarantino is um, and this is not a knock, but it's the low hanging fruit of Western. There's so many. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was growing up watching old Westerns with my grandfather, that was just his thing is he loved watching Westerns. And there's just so many uh, in the history of our film uh, of, of film, there's so many Westerns by so many different directors that you could go to for source material and then maybe get influence from that and modernize it, which is what Quinn Tarantino has done when he has done when he has stretched out and done Westerns. So uh, yeah, I, I do think that it would be for anyone out there who's wanting to do the, 
I think the way to do it is don't pull from the most recent stock, go back to the original source material and then find ways of modernizing that. That's what Quentin Tarantino did with his own style. You do the same thing, but don't pull from Quentin Tarantino. Dude's still alive and making movies. Pull from the dead folks. Let me tell you what the most entertaining part of that last night was. Because not only did we get to watch the movie, we watched the live stream of the red carpet first. And so we watched about 15, 20 minutes of the red carpet before they streamed the premiere of the movie. And since he's Seal's little brother, Seal was there, right? And sure. One would hope. I guess I think he does one of the songs in the closing credits as well. Seal does. If you want to know what a boss Seal is follow this we're watching this and we're just laughing our heads off so seal comes walking in and he's hanging out with jay-z and his brother and you know uh and a couple you know regina king and whatever and you see some other people come down and they've got like this one guy came down the carpet i I can't remember who it was but he had this like stunning 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 date his date was just gorgeous and stunning and then this other uh, this other girl comes down and she had a date with her too. And she was also stunning, stunning, stunningly. Be- I mean, they all look great. Everybody came and coming down the carpet. Look, they were all dressed to the nines. They all look great. But then like about five minutes later, you see seal walking back up the carpet. And this time he's got the other guy's girlfriend on his arm. It's like, what, what the fuck is Seals? Just, we were all what? laughing. It's like Seals just walking around stealing people's girls. And like she was hugging him and posing <laughs> for pictures with him. And then so then he disappears. And about five minutes later, we see him walking down the carpet again with the other girl's date. And he's got that girl on his arm who's like kind of draped all over him and stuff like that. It's like, OK, Seal, we see you. We see you. Tip, tip of the hat, Seal. <laughs> tip of the hat. So he was just walking down, kind so of confused. lording over the red carpet. It was one of the funniest things I've seen. <laughs> seal take your girl so yeah yeah that was and that was the most entertaining part of the stream was watching steel seal steal other people's dates because he's seal and and that so was more than the movie to viewers before attending any events make sure seal will not be there because sure he's seal gonna steal there. your date Make sure Seal ain't there because you will be leaving alone. You are leaving that event alone if that happens. Anyway, guys, uh, that hopefully some hopefully you guys will like the movie. I hope everybody likes every movie they see. And I wanted to like The Heart of They Fall. The cast is incredible. It's just the idea of the film is incredible based on real life characters, too. I mean, it's just gold. I just thought the execution of the movie was so bad. Let me know what you guys think of it when you have a chance to check it out. Apparently, that was his daughter, John. Uh, the chat is saying that one of the women was his daughter. Oh, which well, that's the problem. Which I that's buy the problem that. is that Seal, you know, like Seal has looked the exact same age for the last forty years. So, like, who knew whether his daughter was five years old or you know twenty five years old? But you know, I mean, also it's totally believable that he's got a stunningly gorgeous young woman, and people would assume that he, she's his date. Yeah, you know, because he doesn't look several. like, oh yeah, this is my young daughter. Or this is my daughter. It's like, yeah, that's my date. It, but it was it was several. It was several. So I, I'll believe I'll believe that maybe one of them was his, was his adopted daughter. I'll, I'll believe that. But that doesn't count for the other ones too. Seal, ladies and gentlemen. They, hey, listen. If you could grow up to either yeah, a be yourself, b be Batman, or c be Seal, you might want to consider Seal as an option. I'm just just gonna say. Okay. 
Guys, whatever it is you guys are thinking about the Harley, are you looking forward to it? I was. Maybe you're still excited for it. I hope you are, and I hope you do enjoy the film. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's now move on to our main topics today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campus Show? Well, it's really simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we should cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Let's get on to main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Milner Anakin Nem Ebo, who writes, I was wondering, what exactly do talent agents do? What are the advantages and disadvantages of having one? Can one still make it in Hollywood without one? How does one get one? Please shed some light on this subject. Well, I'll tell you what, Milner. That's a great question because we all hear about Hollywood agents, this person's agent. If you're ever talking about, you know, Ryan Gosling, at some point, somebody will, well, Ryan Gosling must have a great agent. Or if you're ever talking about George Clooney, well, George Clooney, like agents. And we always hear it. We always see them portrayed in movies and stuff like that. And it is a great question to ask. Well, hold on a second. What is it that agents actually do? Why do you need one? Is it difficult to get one? I will answer the last part of that question for you about whether or not it's difficult to get an agent. I can tell you this as somebody who has never had an agent, but I've known a lot of actor friends who have never been able to get past that one part of their career where they can actually get an agent to take them on, or at least a half decent one. So I can tell you just from everybody I've talked to and known in the business that, yeah, getting a decent agent seems to be very, very difficult. Like I've had several friends who pursued acting in Hollywood for years and were never able to actually get like a good, legit agent to take them on. It can be a hard thing. Now, as far as how important is it, what do they actually do? We are very lucky that we just happen to have somebody here who is an actress in this business. Uh, By the way, you'll be able to see her in King Richard here pretty soon with Will Smith, but who is an actress in this business who has had to have agents and stuff like that. So Aaron, give us all a little bit of an education. Fundamentally speaking, uh, number one, how tough is it to get an agent? But number two, as an actor yourself, Fundamentally speaking, what is it an agent does for you and why is it important for actors to have one or or not important? How would you answer that? Well, first of all, this is pretty wild that this question is happening right now because I actually just in the last several weeks when I was talking about my career shit show, um, my team and I, we all uh, decided that it was just time to kind of clean house and just eliminate everything. So I am currently in the process. I have meetings set up next week with agencies because I am looking for an agent. Um, And so I'm actually in the midst of this process myself. And I have done this process many, many times over the past two decades of my career. And, uh, and I have been with varying degrees of agencies. So I'm, 
and I've fired a lot of them. I've gotten dropped by, no, I've never gotten dropped, but I've definitely been with many different agencies. And so I understand this game very well. And this is something that really, there's so much information on this subject that we could talk for an hour about it. So John, I'm going to ask you to edit me when necessary, but to cover the very first and most important question, what is an agent? What do they do? And do you need one? An agency, an, your agent, by the terms of the ATA, the Association of Talent Agencies, is the which is the governing body of talent agencies. The role of a talent agent is to procure work for an actor. Essentially, they receive they see something called the breakdowns, which is what casting directors put out. And essentially, it'll say, "Oh, hey, we have uh, you know, there's an episode of Ted Lasso, and we're looking for." Um, uh, uh, you know, 20 something uh, male of any ethnicity to play, you know, a new team captain must have authentic British accent and must be more rough and tumble. You know, they might may describe stature, whatever. And then if I'm an agent, I will see that in the breakdown and go, oh, I represent these five actors and they fit that, you know, that uh, a description, I'm going to submit them to the casting directors. And then if the casting director says, Oh, I want to see your client, then I organize that audition for said actor. So that's the procurement of work. Also, if you're a more established actor, really your agent may just be doing what they call. Yeah. If you're with ICM and partners, for example, ICM does not necessarily go out and procure a lot of work for their clients because their clients for the most part, are at a level where they're getting phone calls. Hey, I'd like to hire George Clooney. Hey, we have a script for you know Zoe Saldana. Those are the types of people that are with these big agencies like ICM, uh, CAA, William Morris Endeavor, et cetera, and UTA. Um, as far as if they're needed, well, it depends on who you talk to. If you are an actor and you are doing non-union work or you are in a very small market where you uh, like if you're in Atlanta or um, uh, uh, Austin or New Orleans, then, yeah, you might be able to get by not having an agent because there's not a lot of casting directors there. And most of the casting directors, you know, know most of the actors in town. But if you want to be a working actor in any of the major markets, you have to have an agent. There's no option not to it. it there, otherwise there's just no possible way that you'll be able to get any jobs. That's just the way that it's done. Now, let me ask you this. I've, I've talked to a number of writers who have said like, you need to have a literary agent. Like you have, because a lot of times like studios won't ever even look at your work. Uh, they'll, they'll go to, like the the agents or the representations of writers first. That's who they go to. And otherwise, you just can't even get your work in front of people. Well, is the it- reason why that, I mean, I, I want to interrupt you really quick on the literary side. The reason for that is very clear. I mean, is, is very uh, legal, actually, is because um, they will not accept any unsolicited material. Because if I have a script that I send um, and they and then someone from their agency ends up putting out a product that's similar to the script that I send, I could always sue them and say, hey, you stole my idea. Because right. I gave you agency, this script two years earlier and blah, 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 even if they looked right, at it they or may not. They may not have even ever seen it. They may have just thrown it straight in the trash. But if I sent it to them, so, so yeah, um, most agencies from a literary standpoint will not even accept any unsolicited material or something that does not come 
through uh, through an agent. So right, but could the same thing saying- be said of like that? Maybe studios won't even like when they're looking for an actor, they go through the agencies. They don't just go 100%. out in the wild. Right. So you, that's yeah, why you got to absolutely have one. And and also, you know, people go, well, I work all the time and I'm in blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, right. But are you talking about a principal role or are you talking about background work? Yeah, you can be a background actor without having an agent. You don't need an agent for that. But if you want to have lines, if you want to be able to like if you want to be a guest star and especially if you want to be a series regular, a series regular, you're not even going to be considered for something. And I see a lot of people getting um, a little upset about Atlanta, my comment on Atlanta. Yeah, I get it. Atlanta is hopping. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I've worked in Atlanta many times. It's very exciting. Atlanta still has a small fraction of the number of productions as California, as Los Angeles and New York do do the numbers I have. And Atlanta is great, but it's still considered a smaller market. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about now, as far as, you know, how to get an agent, again, this is something that I could do an entire hour long episode talking about. Um, it, varies depending on where you are at in your career. If you don't have a a lot of credits, if you don't have a lot of guest stars um, or even co-stars on your resume, you're going to be seen as what's called developmental, meaning that a casting, that an agent is going to have to introduce you to people. You know, um, if you are someone who has been around for a while, like I've been around for 20 years, every casting director in New York and LA knows who I am. That doesn't mean that they all love me. That doesn't mean they're all going to want to hire me, but I've been around a while. And when you're around a while, they know who you are. So I'm not considered developmental anymore. There once was a time that I was. And during that time, I had to get an agent that was willing to do that kind of work. The higher you go up the ladder of agencies, they're not going to be willing to do that kind of work. And, and, and so you don't want to be at an agency that is above where your level is. Um, and I'll end on this. I will end on this because this, like I said, could be a very long conversation, but I know we have a lot of exciting things to talk about and I don't want to uh, take us away from those things. If you go to sign with an agent, if they want to sign with you, meaning that you have to want to work with them and they have to want to work with you, it's not like you can just pick up the phone and say, hey, I want you to work with me. Uh, Do not sign a contract. The contract doesn't protect you. It only protects them. And essentially what uh, and, and, and any of the decent agents will work with you on a handshake agreement um, that you will pay 10% of whatever work they get you. You will pay that to them. A lot of times I find smaller agencies and especially unscrupulous managers will ask age, ask actors to sign a contract and in the fine print, it will say that it automatically has a rollover clause in it. And what they're doing is they are taking every kid who gets off the bus signing them to contracts and then sitting on those contracts, hoping that one of those people will go out and get their own work so that they can turn around and go, Hey, we have a contract. You owe me X percent, 10% of everything that you earn in perpetuity. It happened to Pam Anderson. When she first got to Hollywood, she signed a contract with someone totally forgot. It wasn't working with them for the longest time. I think ended up on Baywatch or ended up getting some work 
And some ding dong weirdo agent from like five years before was like, we have a contract. And she had to do a whole thing to get out of it. So um, I definitely uh, would be happy to answer any more questions in another maybe if John wants episode of something or just shoot me a DM. And uh, even though I hardly ever read those, I'll try to eventually get to it. I promise. So did John, did you have any other questions about that or have we talked no, well, enough about actors you, and agents? You got around, you, you start, you mentioned that cause a lot of people were wondering, it's like, well, you know, how much do agents usually get? And you were, you throw out the number there about 10%. They get about 10% no, of the work that they get. Not about 10%, 10%, not more not less. The only way that an agent would take less than 10% is if you are splitting agencies, but that's something that is a very rare case. And it's, it's not something that most people will ever encounter, but 10% is the industry norm. Managers will ask for 15%, but that's only if you don't have an agent as well. If a manager wants 15%, they should be your sole representation. If you have an agent as well, then the manager should only get 10% because you should not be paying more than 20% of your income. Now, if you have a lawyer as well, um, which I do, then that's an additional 5%. So if you have an agent, a manager, and a lawyer, right there, you're paying 25% off the gross. That's not including a publicist, which is not a percentage, but is usually about five grand a month. And then if you have a business manager, that's another 5% of everything. So, you know, it definitely adds adds up. up. As far as the advantages and disadvantages, there is every advantage because a good agent is going to get you opportunities that you would never otherwise have on your own. The disadvantages, the only thing that they talk about, um, the only thing that, that, um, that people say when it comes to disadvantages of an agent is that you're having to pay percentages. But I say, hey, you know, 10% of zero is zero. So I'd rather pay 10% of a lot of money and have a good agent working on my side. Any more questions? Let John know and maybe he'll let me uh, do a little spiel <laughs> on this one day of, on my own. Okay. Thanks. All right. That was a great question, by the way, to send in. So thank you for that. Questions for you guys. Have you wondered about this stuff about like actually how much money has to go out, how, getting an agent, the importance of agents, the roles of managers, the roles of publicists, the roles of the, the entertainment lawyers, the roles of the agents, whatever you guys are thinking about that, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Paul Newson. And Paul Newson writes, hey, John and Rob, and Rob's not here today, obviously. So DC fandom is upon us. I know we're going to get a lot of trailers and some announcements, but I wanted to ask you, what are some of the most wild and unexpected announcements you think we could maybe get at the event this year? Something that most people wouldn't consider realistic, but right now you think could make a big surprise uh thank you and bring on the filthy all right paul thanks a lot for saying that in and yeah exciting time guys just a couple days away we got dc fandom is coming just a couple of days away and of course last year it was a bit of surprise it kind of came out of nowhere It, it was better than i thought it would be especially for a virtual event live in person events are always 15 times better but For putting on a digital uh, virtual event last year, I thought DC did a really good job. Um, They made it engaging. That stuff about the international voices of Batman was, I thought, was really interesting. They, of course, dropped a bunch of trailers. We had our first look at Suicide Squad. Whole bunch of stuff. Whole bunch of stuff. It was great. And we got the next one coming up. 
Now, of course, in just a couple of days, now, of course, there are things we know we're getting, right? We're going to get our first look at Flash, at least some behind-the-scenes stuff at minimum. We know they're going to show us, at minimum, Aaron, the Batman stuff that they showed us at uh, Las Vegas CinemaCon last month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going to then probably stuff. probably some more stuff from that. We know we're going to see some Black Adam. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff that we know is coming, right? There's a lot of stuff that we know is coming. So I thought this was an interesting question that Paul sent in. What are the way out there things that would shock the world that I think might actually be remotely, even if it's only two or 3% possible. All right. For that, let's jump over to the classroom for a second. Let's go into the camping classroom. Yes, can't be a classroom. All right. I want to throw out a couple of possibilities here. Now, remember, I am acknowledging everything I am about to mention is highly unlikely. All right. These would be like things that would surprise the world, shock and surprise the world. Okay. So, but I'm saying there could be at like a two or three percent chance, a two or three percent chance that these ones could actually happen, and these ones would be the ones that would shock the world. All right. Part what number one is this: a Ben Affleck Batman series for HBO Max. What? Now, hey, look, I know that sounds crazy. I know it is extremely unlikely. It is absolutely extremely unlikely. I'm not saying it could happen. I'm not saying it, it's going to happen. I'm not saying look out for this. But let me throw this out here. The reason I would say there could be a 1, 2, or 3% chance of something like that happening is they did the unthinkable already happened. Ben came back to play Batman again. Granted, it's probably a very, very small role in the upcoming Flash movie. And Ben Affleck just recently talked about it, saying, yeah, it was a great experience going back, being able to put on the Batman costume again. So we know it's going to be small. And and I'm just saying, with as ambitious, with as ambitious as HBO Max has been, with mm-hmm. all the stuff that they've got coming, you tell me, would the internet not break? If it would break. If, if all of a sudden a DC fandom... Hello, my name's Ben Affleck, and I just want to say I'm back playing Batman again for a new HBO series coming in 2023. The internet would implode. People would go nuts. Me, first of all. (laughs) Me, first of all. I would lose my bloody mind. So I'm telling you, look, likely, absolutely not. Highly, highly unlikely. The slightest of possibilities? Yeah. And if it did, it would break the world. All right. Let me go on to the second thing. So the first announcement, because remember, Paul's asking me, unlikely but good and would like destroy the world. All right, one Ben Affleck Batman series for HBO Max gets announced. All right, here's another one. Hold on, hold on to your butts, as Samuel Jackson would say. <laughs> Justice League Two. They announced, and it would probably not be called Justice League Two. It would really? probably, it would probably be called like uh, Justice League uh, Happy giddy up uh fun time i don't know <laughs> i don't know like, or whatever whatever justice league hyphen something it probably wouldn't be called justice league 2 it'd probably be called justice league justice hyphen, league happy giddy up fun, fun time, time. I, this is good as any other one i can come up with sure so that works so, like, justice league hyphen something right look they know the people of warner brothers know and i'm not even saying this would necessarily be a good idea i'm not even saying it would be a good idea but the people at 
Warner Brothers has always have always had Avengers envy. They have always had Avengers. And what I'm not talking about the Avengers themselves, and I'm talking about the success that Disney's had with them. And they've got to know the potential success of of what Justice League could be if they did it in a certain way. And right. now, whether that would involve Ben Affleck or not, that's all. But a Justice League movie. It might not even be the traditional lineup, but nobody's expecting to hear a Justice League announcement. Nobody's expecting to hear a Justice League announcement. And it is highly unlikely there would be one. Highly unlikely. But, but, with all the production work they've got going, with them now getting their plans up and running, kind of going full steam, and with the fact that, you know, there has always been that little bit of Avengers envy, and with the potential that a title like Justice League could have, I am just saying, you know, one, two, three percent chance. One, two, or three percent chance that another Justice League, like a, a brand new Justice League, with brand new writers, brand new director, you know, taking maybe even a different assortment of characters. I don't know. But I'm just saying, if they did, if they did announce Justice League, it would break the internet. People would go crazy. Whatever it is. So you're saying not have Zack Snyder. Oh, no, you'll um, never, no, no, no. You'll never see Zack Snyder back again. No. Um, so it wouldn't be Zack Snyder. It wouldn't be Joss Whedon. It wouldn't be anything like that. I think they would probably want to take a brand new, fresh approach. They probably get brand new writers, brand new directors. They probably want to take a brand new, fresh approach. Ooh, approach. I'd love to see a Taika Waititi. He's oh, on my brain today. I'd love to see a Taika Waititi Justice League. Don't give I'm me not hope. super jazzed about seeing a Justice League, to be honest, a, a, a new one. And, and maybe it's because of the fatigue over the whole, like, Snyder cut endless debacle that went on for 18 years um, that we just sort of never heard the end of. But I would love to see uh, YTD take on it. Uh, that I mean, he's obviously very, very busy. He's got he's doing Thor right now. Then he's got a Star Wars movie he's doing. Then he's got that uh, first goal or next goal wins that he has coming out soon. Uh, although that's got Army Hammer in it, so I don't know if that's going to cause any problems and, and, and hiccups <laughs> for him. But slightly. That, that being said. Um, Oh boy, a Taika Waititi Justice League movie. Let's just put it. Or hell, hey, the power of suggestion. I'm putting it out there, man. I'm I'd see it out a James there. Gunn. I'd see. A, I'd watch a James Gunn Justice League movie after what oh, he just did sure. with Suicide yeah. Squad. Are you kidding me? But anyway, uh, that's that's the second one. All right. Here's my third one that I'm going to throw out there, and I think most of you know what my third one is going to be. If you talk about things that are highly unlikely, but there is a possibility, things that. While it may probably won't happen, if it did, oh my God, the internet will explode. You guys can sing it along with me. Man of fucking steel. Er, fucking. Man of fucking steel. Two. Two. Right? All right. Maybe they won't call it fucking steel. All right. We'll, we'll take that part out. Man of steel. Two. I look. Is this likely? Absolutely not. Absolutely not is this likely. It is highly, highly, highly unlikely. But again, just like the Ben Affleck situation, just like the Justice League situation, there are a couple of little things that at least make it exist in the realm of the possible, regardless of how unlikely it is. Henry Cavill has never been anything but very bullish on... The fact that he he loves playing Superman and obviously he's my favorite Superman. So the, but he's he loves playing Superman. 
Henry Cavill has never come out and said officially, I am done as Superman. Mm-hmm. If anything else, Aaron, a, a while back, now this is going some time back, but his agent said, you know, the cape is still in the closet. It's it's still there. Again, is it likely? No. Or do I expect to see Henry Cavill at, at DC Fandom in anything in this capacity? No, I certainly do not expect it. But is it possible? Is there the slightest sliver of possibility, however unlikely, and I would say because of all that other stuff, there is the slightest possibility that maybe yes. And if it were so, if it were so, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters in film fandom, the internet would explode. Any one of these things. Ben Affleck, they announced Ben Affleck is going to play Batman again in an HBO Max series. Internet would explode. Uh, Justice League, happy, giddy up, fun time, or whatever the title would be. <laughs> Internet would explode. Man of Steel 2, Internet would explode. Um, and so these are the things that I think are highly unlikely, but have the slightest of possibilities that if they were announced, Internet would explode. Aaron, if you, you're looking at all three of the things I put up here now. If if you had to guess which one, as all of them are completely unlikely, which one do you think has the best chance of maybe happening out of the Ben Affleck HBO Batman series, another Justice League film getting announced or Henry Cavill coming back to play uh, to play Man of Steel again to play Superman again? Which one do you think has the most likelihood? Well, I would be. Personally, I would be the most excited about a Ben Affleck um, Batman series at HBO. I think that the one that has the most likelihood of legs is uh, Justice League Two. I, I, yeah. I, I don't. I feel like there, um, you know, there was so much enthusiasm over the first one, and maybe of the Snyder cut debacle. And maybe that was a big part of the whole reason why we were talking about it endlessly. Um, it just kind of kept the momentum of the film kept going on because we kept talking about it. But I do think that there's so much room for the next story. And, um, and especially now that we've seen, and I know that this is going to be a topic that we discuss next, but we've seen so much more enthusiasm for people coming back to the theaters um, and, and really wanting to see more and more content in this world. I think now is the, a good time to make that announcement. Guys, but all three of those are great. And, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm really going to be excited because I, I even as much as you say, oh, uh, this is just something that I dreamed up at three o'clock in the morning when I was staring at this. You're like, no, uh, you have little you have little birds in your ears. You hear little songs. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much of this is just musings of Campia land. I, I think that there's definitely a little bit of weight behind at least one of these. So uh, I'm going to put my money behind justice league too. I, I listen for obviously the one I want the most, obviously the one I want the most is man of steel too. That that's the one I want the most. Zack Snyder's man of steel to me is still the most underrated comic book movie of all time. Um, and you know, I get a little bit of a stiffy when I think about Man of Steel. I love this movie passionately. I would love to have him back. Henry Cavill is my favorite of all the Superman. But I am going to agree with you. I think probably the most likely out of those three still probably won't happen. But the most likely would probably be the Justice League thing that they'll come out with a big, exciting filmmaker name uh, that I have no idea what it would be. And they would announce a lineup that would probably be a little different from the lineup we've seen so far. And say that they're doing it with uh, 
uh, they're going to be doing it with um, uh, with a new Justice League. So that's probably my guess. And actually, you know what? Somebody suggested this, and I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm just going to ask the question for you guys in the live chat, which is most likely, okay? Uh, the Batman one, the uh, Justice League one, or the Man of fucking Steel uh, man of fucking steel one. So I've just put up for those of you watching live and it's only for those of you who are watching live right now. I just put up a uh, poll in the live chat there. So I just voted. It, all, <laughs> all of these are unlikely. Okay. I'm telling you, I admit Woo-hoo! all of these are tremendously unlikely, but if one of them were going to happen, like if Uatu the Watcher came down and said, one of these is actually true, which one do you think is actually true? Now, I just put it up about 10 seconds ago. We got 300 votes in there already. Right now, Justice League is in the lead with 48%, followed by Batman at 26% and Man of Steel at 25%. So it seems like most people think that if, if it's going to be any of these, it's probably going to be Justice League. We're at 400 votes now. 450 votes now. So yeah, it looks like Justice League is going to be the one that takes it. So thank you everybody for participating in that poll. And guys, listen, what do you guys think? Like those were my three kind of wild guesses. But if you had to guess, what could be an announcement that could come at DC Fandom that nobody is really thinking is really possible, but could have the slightest chance that would make the world explode? What do you think that could be? Jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. That was fun. With that down, let's move into main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by uh, Ariyaman, who writes, Hey, John, I just read that Eternals beat the record for the most one-day pre-sales than any movie this year, beating out Black Widow and Shang-Chi. This has been my most anticipated MCU film for a long time, and I'm hoping it goes well financially. I've read that it might be on track to hit 90 to $110 million opening weekend, but I think it will fall in the 80 to $90 million range. I just wanted to know your thoughts on this news and what your prediction is for opening weekend. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. Yeah, look, obviously Eternals is a movie that I am very, very excited for mostly because, I mean, yes, I'm excited for it because it's the next MCU film. Get excited about that. But mostly I'm excited for it because it has, say it along with me, everybody, the reigning defending best director of the year in Chloe Zhao. She's the current title holder. She has that Oscar best director, uh, directed one of my favorite films in the last number of years with Nomadland. Cannot wait to see. I think this is the first time, you guys in the live chat, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think this is going to be the first time that we have a comic book movie being directed by the current reigning best director Oscar winner. I don't think this ever happened before. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's ever happened before. But anyway, let me know what you guys uh, think about that. But yes, I'm very excited for this film. I cannot wait to watch it. I am, by the way, Aaron, I'm going to go see this movie on Monday. Uh, Oh, fantastic. Anne and I are going to go to the premiere on Monday. So I'm very stoked about that. Thank you. I would love to go. I mean, I'm busy, so I can't. I'm going to see my friend Amanda Klutz on Dancing with the Stars, so please vote for her. So I'm sorry I can't go to your fancy Hollywood premiere with you, John. Oh, this is, I knew that. That's why I didn't ask. That's that's why I didn't what do you ask. Mean? I, oh, I thought that was you asking. No, I'm 
telling you I can't go, but thank you oh, for I, asking and I, inviting I, me. Oh, yeah, And for of being course. your first choice, as always. Always my first choice. And, and totally <laughs> said, I was going like, to ask Aaron, and I said, ask Aaron. I was like, okay, Aunt. So um, anyway, I'm going to go see it on Monday. Now, this was a really interesting piece of information because this comes to us from Variety of the Rights. Advanced tickets for Eternals. Get this. This surprises me. The advanced tickets for Eternals are already huge, and it's estimated that in its first day of pre-sales, the film pulled in an estimated $2.6 million. For comparison's sake, that amount is 86% higher than Shang-Chi's first day advanced ticket sales that made $1.4 million, and 30% more sales of what Black Widow did, $2 million, over its first day of pre-sales. So, right now, now look, I, the first thing I want to say to everybody is don't run too much with that. Like that is not a definitive just because it made more money on its first day of pre-sales does not necessarily automatically mean it's going to, you know, blow the box office wide open. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But when you start looking at these numbers and you realize that Okay, Shang-Chi, that opened to $75 million. It made 85, 86% more on its first day of sales than Shang-Chi did, which tells me that there are more people already excited for this movie than there were for Shang-Chi. Now, Shang-Chi exploded after it started playing for audiences. Like once the world premiere happened and then they played a couple of uh, a couple of fan screenings and a couple of press screenings and the word of mouth started going around, then you saw it all ramp up and then it had that huge opening weekend of $75 million. But this is a good sign. Now, you're asking me, what do I, what's my opening weekend prediction? I can't give one right now because I haven't seen the movie. I think the word of mouth and buzz that is going to come, whether it's positive, super positive, negative, super negative, whatever, that's going to be the determining factor. But I will say this. With this level of advanced ticket sales, which I fully admit catches me by surprise. If you had asked me 24 hours ago, do I think Eternals will outsell advanced tickets than Shang-Chi or Black Widow? I would have said no. Nobody knows who the Eternals are. You know, the I love the second trailer. The first trailer didn't go over so great with a lot of people. No way. No way it beats the advanced ticket sales of Black Widow, you know, Venom, uh, Shang-Chi. It doesn't do it, but it did by a significant amount. But I really think we have to see what kind of buzz and word of mouth it's going to get before we make an opening weekend prediction. And I'll be able to do that on Monday. Like, I'll be able to see the movie on Monday myself. I'll know how good it is. I'll be able to talk to a whole bunch of other people that are there, get their sense of what they felt about the movie. So I'll say this, Aaron. If I come out of Eternals and I see everybody else as excited as they were when they came out of Shang-Chi... I will say this movie will do what I never thought it would do. It will break the 100 million opening weekend mark. It'll be the first film to do it since 2019. Um, we kind of thought James Bond, No Time to Die would do it. Didn't come close. Um, we thought maybe it would be Spider-Man, no way, uh, no way Home, which will definitely break the $100 million mark, but it might not be the first one to do it. It might be Eternals. So if, and this is a huge if, 
if that audience on Monday and then there's press screenings as well on Tuesday, if the energy is as high and as positive as it was for Shang-Chi, then I'm going to say that, yes, this will break the $100 million mark opening weekend. Aaron, you know, you've had your opinions about the marketing for Eternals. You've heard people say, are you surprised to hear about these advanced ticket sales numbers? And where do you think this thing may come in when it finally does open? I'm not surprised about the opening numbers. And here's why. Um, Number one, I don't think that we can compare it to Black Widow at all, because first of all, Black Widow, people knew that they could just watch it from the comfort of their home. And so it was real. And and it was also during a time when um, people were starting to go back to the theaters, but they weren't going back to the theaters in the way that people are feeling comfortable now. Um, A lot more people are vaccinated and feeling more comfortable going out in public and sitting in enclosed spaces than were vaccinated and feeling that comfort when uh, Black Widow opened. And then um, with Shang-Chi, that was a character that a lot of people were not familiar with. And even though people are not familiar with the characters of the Eternals, let's face it, it's a star-studded cast. And so people there there's there's visibility and and there's there's uh recognizability just amongst the performers that are in the cast so people may go oh i really want to see you know how angelina jolie is going to be in uh you know in a superhero movie i want to see how salma hayek is going to be in a superhero movie etc with all these different um actors that they're familiar with already. So unlike Shang-Chi, whereas a wider audience maybe wasn't necessarily familiar with the characters and or the performers, um, even though we're not familiar as as familiar with a wider audience of the characters, a lot of people, I mean, everybody knows at least one of the actors in this film. So I think that there is definitely, um, it has that going for it as well as, more people being vaccinated, more people being comfortable going back to the theaters. Is Eternals being open um, on HBO Max at the same time? Well, it's a Disney film, so yeah. No. Sorry, sorry, that's what I meant. Disney. No, it it has the advantage over Black Widow that it is a theatrical exclusive. Like after they saw what was going yeah. on with Shang Chi, they said, "Okay, yeah, Eternals theatrical exclusive." Exactly. So that's another thing is that unlike, you know, we can't I don't think that we should even have Black Widow in the same conversation when it comes to pre-sales or box office or anything like that. It can't be in the same conversation because Black Widow didn't have the advantage of only being able to be seen in theaters. And I imagine that those pre-sale tickets are for the diehard fans. You know, the average movie viewer, I don't imagine is running out to be like, I have to be the first person to see Eternals in my block. I don't think that that's what's happening. But as you said, and you're spot on with this, the reason why Shang-Chi ended up making so much money was because the movie is phenomenal across the board, regardless of whether or not you have any interest in the comic books or any interest in those particular characters. It was a universally appealing story that a lot of people could get behind, whether they were familiar with those characters or not. If Eternals is a very um, insular story that you have to be able do you have to be familiar with the source material to really understand and only the diehard fans are going to get it i think that it's going to have the a really great push um from those fans for the pre-sale shows 
the pre-sale, but I don't think that it's going to have the um, the boom that Shang-Chi did because people who go to these advanced screenings, you know, press screenings, industry screenings, et cetera, um, that, that word of mouth is going to spread. I mean, before Shang-Chi opened, everybody knew that it, it was a movie that you really couldn't miss. Yeah, the word of mouth was going single, crazy. All, everybody that was going to pre-screenings was saying that. So I'm, I'm interested to see what, um, you know, what the initial feedback is. I'm curious to hear your thoughts and I'm curious to hear, you know, what other people who are maybe not as invested in the comic book world have to have to say about it. I mean, I'm not going to be buying a pre-sale ticket because I still think that trailer was garbage. Um, <laughs> say what you want. I did not think that it did Eternals justice. I think that Eternals is going to be great. Um, personally, I'm going to go see the movie, but just in um, like as a boycott of that garbage can trailer that they did <laughs> that I don't think is doing the movie justice. I'll wait and buy my ticket when it comes out. Well, I'll let you know I'm how it is once I early. see it. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? That so <laughs> far with the first day of pre-sales tickets, Eternals is actually outpacing other films like Shang-Chi, Black Widow. It could be on pace to break $100 million. Do you think Eternals will crack that $100 million? Actually, let's put up a, number, a poll right now. Will Eternals crack uh, $100 million opening uh, for opening weekend. So I'm putting that up. So you guys who are watching this live right now, I just put the uh, poll up. Simple question. Do you think Eternals, now that we've seen that it's it's opening pre-sales are outpacing those other films, do you think Eternals will crack 100 million? And we already have votes coming in. We have over 200 votes already. 61% of you are saying yes. Wow. Which is, uh, that's more than I thought. Uh, 39% of you right now are saying no. And so we've just passed 300 votes, still 62. Now it's 63 to 37. So it looks like the majority of you think it will. But we won't really know for sure until we hear how good or bad the movie is. I'll know Monday. I'll be able to put out my my obvious instant reaction on Monday. So the question is for you guys. What do you think about these numbers for Eternals? Do you think it's going to crack 100 million opening weekend? Maybe yes, maybe no. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. And by the way, closing out with about 500 votes, we've got 65% people say yes, it will hit 100 million, 35 saying no. So thank you to everybody for participating in that poll. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Uh, by the way, quick shout out to Eric Benson and Marie Seifring, both of which sent in super chat badges in the live chat while we were doing that. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your support so much. Okay, guys. With all, as did Irigio. Irigio also sends in a super chat badge there. Thank you, guys. All right. With that all down, guys, let's now move over and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? Once again, if you want to get in a live comment or question for the show or for an upcoming companion video, simply click on the tip link that's down below or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on a show. If it's appropriate for our show, sometimes you guys send us stuff that is not appropriate for us to read. And of course, you're supporting our channel at the same time. And we all thank you guys so much for that support. Okay, let's get on over to this thing right now. We're going to start things off here with Alex Von Gollum, who writes, my three favorite sequences from the new Bond cinematography wise. Uh, Matera's car chase, that whole scene was amazing. They showed us that at CinemaCon. It's incredible. Uh, the sequence in the foggy forest, that was great. The ascending stair scene in Saffron's Lair. What do you think of them? Chef's kiss for the cinematography. Yeah, it's funny because 
I mean, there are, there are some people that didn't like James Bond, No Time to Die. I think most people did, but some didn't. But even the people I've talked to who didn't like the movie love the cinematography. The cinematography in the film was breathtaking, and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, Alex. Uh, by the way, our friend Kevin Bloom sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Kevin. All right, next up, Dr. Nova writes, I am autistic. And I wanted to let you know how much your show means to me. You bring a sense of comfort to my day. Also, over this year, I have lost over 68 pounds. 68 pounds. Dude, when I throw when I lose 10, I like throw a party for myself with quarts of ice cream and pizzas (laughs) like (laughs) 68 pounds. Uh, that ain't an easy feat, Dr. Nova, dude. Thank you so much for being part of our community here, man. And thank you for sharing that. That's, it's an honor that you would say that. And congrats on that, dude. That is, that is no small feat losing that much weight. It is no small feat. Congrats on that. Okay. Next up, we got Dangerous D who writes, Hey John, someone asked, have you ever seen a sequel first rather than the first movie? For me, it was Aliens. Aliens is probably a popular one and Color of Money. That's right, because it was a uh, you know, a, a spiritual follow-up to The Hustler. Uh, the Color of Money. At that time, I didn't know these movies were sequels. Have you ever watched a movie and didn't know it was a sequel? Um, I don't think I ever watched a movie and didn't know it was a sequel. Um, that's never happened to me, but Aaron, let me ask you that somebody wrote in the other day with a great question asking, have you ever seen a sequel before watching the original film? I can't think of when I did other than Serenity because Serenity was kind of a sequel to the TV series Firefly. So I saw the, the movie before I saw the TV show, but other than that, I can't think of any. Can you think of any? Oh, not off the top of my head. No, I'm not. I'm blanking on some. I mean, I'm sure I've, I've definitely we've all seen we've all seen remakes before we've seen the originals. But I think that's a totally different category. No, yeah. I'm 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 blanking on 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 seeing a sequel first. But Aliens is that a, a thought. Aliens is a good. One. I bet a bunch of people did with that. Uh, by the way, Kevin Bloom uh, and Dragon 10 send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. That's a great question. Dangerous D. That's a really that's a good one, too. And yes, color of money. Guys, watch The Hustler. Uh, Paul Newman stars as Eddie in both of them. Uh, the Color of Money came much later. Of course, he had Tom Cruise in that one. I believe it was Jackie Gleason was in The Hustler with Paul Newman, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. But you should definitely watch both of those because those are amazing. Good ones to point out dangerous. All right. Dr. Nova writes, um, I don't like 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know what? As classic as it is, I know a lot of people who don't like 2001 Space Odyssey. Anyway, because the characters are cold and distant, which according to my friend is the point of the movie. I need to like characters. Understanding why you don't like a movie is important for personal growth, if nothing less. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, whatever, listen, I said it a thousand times, all film is art. And as art, art will hit each individual person in a unique and different way. There are some things that speak to you more than they speak to the person next to you. For somebody like yourself, if characters are cold and distant, it doesn't matter if that's what they're meant to be. If that makes it difficult for you to attach to the movie or for the for you to um, feel invested in the movie, then that's going to be a bad experience. So, yeah, I totally get it. And you're not alone. As big and as classic as 2001 is... I know a number of people who aren't, I mean, I personally like it a lot, but I know a lot of people that aren't, that don't love it. That's seen it after the years. Actually, just curious, Aaron, have you ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey? I don't think I have. And you know, there's a lot of people who still haven't. 
So I'm not surprised. Yeah. There are a lot of people who've never seen it, but um, I feel like there's there should be a a master list of like these are all the movies if you think you're a movie fan that you need to watch because it's not the like some people go by oh every movie that's ever won the Academy Award and that is a list but that that is not necessarily the best list that is what was potentially popular or trendy at the time um but it is not the complete definitive list of like i i mean i'm sure that there is one so if you're in the chat and oh afi you know what afi top 100 fanjecture yeah i was gonna mention that one the afi top 100 yeah fanjecture put that in there as well the afi and suthius as well why i don't 100 percent agree with the afi top 100 it is a great basis of a list like if you are any kind of if a film fan that you really want to say you know what i've been i'm a big movie fan but i've never watched a lot of classics what are the ones i should watch i know a number of people through the pandemic thought you know what i'm gonna make my way through the afi 100 i I mean Mm. other than the ones i've already seen but that is a great place to start it's a great great place to start so uh thank you suthius and fanjecture for putting that in there those are good ones to point out all right Uh, Next up, uh, Dumbledore Calrissian writes, one of two. Hey, John, I wanted to write in and tell you that my Star Wars podcast is about to release its 100th episode. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, We are a small podcast, but we have a wonderful community, and it has been uh, such a fun journey. Some of the people I've met through doing this have legitimately become some of my closest friends. I wanted to tell you because I learned from you how important it is to build community around your content. Thank you for all you do and bring on the filthy. Well, listen, Dumbledore Calrissian, I love hearing that because, you know, I always say, I think all fans should get involved in either doing a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel. Uh, Not to make a career out of it, but because it gets you more engaged with the object of your fandom and it gets you more invested in the object of your fandom. And even if like 5, 10, 15 people read, watch, or listen to your content, that's 5, 10, 15 people that you're helping invest in their fandom as well. I just think it's a great exercise to do if you've got the time. So congratulations to you on that, Dumbledore. Keep going. And that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. All right. But hold on. My whole thing is like, but what, what I don't understand is, hey, Dumbledore, like, what's the name of your podcast? Well, he didn't want to use it as a plug for his podcast. He just wanted to share something else. What a great audience. (laughs) But that is great. That is great that he put that in there. Use John Campia. Use him like the dirty slut he... Sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. I wish I could tell you that's the first time she said that to me. I I wish (laughs) I could tell you that that was the first time something like that Aaron Cummings has said to me. (laughs) But but hey, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Okay, so... I don't know what I just implied. Anyway. Okay. Have I mentioned we've known each other for over a decade? Uh, okay. Let's Let get the rumor mill fly. Let the rumor mills go. All right. Next up. Uh, where are we at? Okay. Uh, Great Latino writes, Hey, John, thanks for all you do. Have you watched the Ronin test or Robin test footage by Jamie Costa? It was complete. I was completely blown away. And I remember Robin's death hit you pretty hard. Robin Williams. It was the first celebrity death that I actually got emotional over. And I, I don't, I don't know why I still remember the morning we did movie talk. I had to open the show with a cold open, just talking about the passing of Robin William. And I got choked up and I, I have never been emotionally moved by the death of a celebrity. And I didn't again until Carrie Fisher passed away. 
but yeah, that was, that was, that hit me pretty hard and I'm still not really sure how or why, but anyway, I was curious in your thoughts. I hope his project gets off the ground. So I don't know, uh, Aaron, if you saw this, this was trending on YouTube. Okay. I saw it last night. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people forget. I actually know Jamie. Like it's Jamie had been in our studios a lot. He had done like he's, and let me tell you something. He's a delightful, delightful, wonderful, funny guy. And whenever he came into our studios to do some stuff, he's, he's just one of those people that just get, you know, you, everybody knows somebody like this. He's one of these people that right walks in the room and just kind of lights up the room a little bit more just because he's such a pleasant guy to be around. And, um, he's been doing this kind of stuff for a long time. A lot of people are just going to discover his YouTube channel right now for the first time, but he's got a YouTube channel where he's put up other things like where he's been Han Solo that has like millions of views and things like that. But yeah, that little thing he put together on YouTube there, I've seen him do other Robin Williams stuff before, but this was a a great example of how good he can do it. Now, I honestly don't know if anything will come of it, but he's already got like over 3 million views on this thing. And more people know who he is now than ever before. It was a remarkable little video, but uh, you saw, what did you think of it, Aaron? I mean, I thought that it, I didn't even realize what it was. I thought that it was actually for a new Robin Williams, like drama that was coming out and that he was playing him. Like I, I, I thought that was a legitimate movie. So you know what, regardless of whether or not something comes out for him to actually play Robin Williams in a film about his life, which would be really fascinating. I think a lot of people would be um, would be interested in um, the more and more challenging that it becomes to pursue a career as an actor. And I was actually having a conversation with um, a couple of actors about this yesterday, about how the industry has changed so much. And, you know, you and I were just talking about the challenges of actors now having to be cinematographers and lighting designers and editors to do our own self tapes and recruiting our family and friends to be production assistants in, you know, holding microphones or being readers opposite us. It is becoming more and more uh, uh, prohibitive to, uh, and problematic to try to become an actor. And so the people that are really starting to find success and what I've heard in my own, you know, reaching out of different, uh, of, of pursuing repre- new representation is the multi hyphenates are kind of where it's at. People want someone like a Phoebe Waller bridge, um, you know, or a Michaela, um, oh my God, a Michaela um, who just won the Emmy um, for I may destroy, destroy you. you? Yeah, and she Michaela, just got signed on to do something else, too, and I can't remember now. Yes. Um, you know, the the people who are writing their own material um, and, and becoming their own writers, directors, producers, actors, stars, uh, you know... This guy clearly is going is creating his own path for himself, and that's something that no one can compete with. No one. Whether it results in him having immediate immediate success in what he's putting out there, or someone else saying, "Michaela Cole, thank you so much," um, or someone else saying, "Wow, this guy can do anything," and already is you know making things happen. Let's just grab him for something else. I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of him. Uh, I certainly hope we do because this uh, this this guy's he hustles. I mean, he's he's hustled for a long time, and it'd be great to see somebody like that break through. Anyway, Aaron, we have kept you over time. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, in the meantime, where can people follow you and all your? Oh, please tell me you're reaching down for Joey because I haven't seen Joey in a while. Oh my goodness! 
Oh, oh my there's goodness. Joey. Oh my goodness. Oh, she's been taking a nap right down next to me. Hello, little sleepy girl. Hello, little sleepy girl. Uh, well, you can find Joey Bishop and I uh, on Instagram right down there at Aaron L. Cummings and check us out. And um, by the way, John, I know that you were not able to make it to the shower and came in your place, but Joey had the cutest little outfit. I saw pictures. Um, <laughs> Her, yeah, so she was definitely in her full form, and she was uh, certainly the highlight of the shower. And uh, when I don't know, I'll have to post the, I'm going to post the pictures of the baby shower today or tomorrow. Um, you guys definitely want to check that out, not for necessarily for me, but for for Joey. And once again, for everybody that's been sending us goodies off our registry, you guys are so kind and generous. Thank you very much. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good one, Aaron. Bye, All everybody. Right, guys, the one and the only Aaron Cummings. And uh, yes, I, I for those of you probably wondering, John, why on earth didn't you go to her baby shower? The reason I didn't go to her baby shower was because uh, every year I go to the World Series of Poker in Vegas. It's an annual thing. And I, obviously it wasn't last year. And it was on the same weekend that I was going to be in Vegas for the World Series. So Anne went in our place. Don't worry. And I'll get lots of time with the baby myself. So don't worry. It'll be fine. Okay. Uh, let's guys, we still have some time here, so let's keep on going through your questions. All right. Uh, dangerous D writes, Hey John, you were talking before about the great ninja Shokasagi. I used to, you can't be an eighties ninja film fan and not know him anyway. Uh, and his films, but did you know he had a TV show called the master? I did. Uh, he played a ninja pursuing his master played by Lee Van Cleef, who is on the run all over the U S along with his protege. I never did watch it. I'm familiar with it, but I never did watch it. But guys, honestly, if you've never watched an 80s Shokasagi ninja film, you don't know what your 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 life isn't full yet. Your life isn't full yet. Okay. Uh, next up, an anonymous viewer writes, uh, beat it or I'll call the boot squad. I'm on the boot squad. You are the brute squad. A little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, uh, Princess Bride there for you. All right. Next up, world's greatest detective writes, John, I'm usually blessed by your recommendations. So I tried free guy. I really didn't like it. No offense, brother, but I pursued another John Campion recommendation. Mayo. Mmm, sweet, beautiful mayo. Did not disappoint. Yeah, I love mayo. I put mayo on a lot of different things. But, uh, hey, listen, all film subjective, brother. If you didn't like Free Guy, that's movies, man. That's the subjectivity of film. I obviously loved Free Guy. Uh, such a great success for Sean Levy, Ryan Reynolds. I just thought the movie was absolutely charming, delightful, funny, entertaining. Big smile on my face when I walked out. But hey, it's not going to be for everybody. No movie is. And if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. And that's totally cool. All right. Next up. Uh, world's greatest detective also writes, I only saw Pattinson as twilight boy till I saw his beautiful performance in remember me in 2010, a friend of mine who hates twilight recommended it to me. He was great without spoiling anything. That movie has powerful father and son dynamic, uh, Pierce bros probably mean Pierce Brosnan, uh, with Pierce Brosnan playing Pattinson's father. So yes, James Bond and Batman's dad and Batman's dad, LOL. So it was really charming to see both Brosnan and Pattinson represent DC fandom. Brosnan, of course, now being part of Black Adam, pumped for the new trailer. And you know, this is the thing, World's Greatest Ad. When they announced, and we've talked about this a few times, but when they announced that Robert Pattinson was going to be the new Bruce Wayne Batman, and I'll take the headphones off now, but I get it initially. And there's, there's the head, the headphone line in my hair again. Uh, when they first announced that 
to a degree understandable, but you know, everybody across the internet whined, oh, they got the Twilight Boy. The Twilight Boy. You can't have Twilight Boy as Batman. I, I mean, I got it to a degree. Because I feel you had ever seen of Robert Pattinson was that. But what myself and a lot of other cinephiles started trying to tell everybody is, listen, Robert Pattinson has done a bunch of work between his Twilight days and today that has shown that he is remarkable. He's a very good actor. And there's a reason why the best filmmakers right now are kind of lining up to work with him right now. There's a reason Christopher Nolan you know, made him one of the stars of his latest film and why other filmmakers are trying to work with him right now. It's like, I get it. If all you've seen was Twilight, I get your apprehension when you, they announced that he was going to be Batman. But if you have watched his other stuff, you know, there's a number of them. We've talked about a bunch of them on this show. If you've seen those other films, you're going to start to get it and you're going to start to feel more enthusiastic about it. So anyway, yeah, there's that. Twilight Boy. Yes, Twilight Boy. Okay, next up, uh, we've got uh, Max... Vinicius Aruda, who writes, Good morning, John. I want to suggest TV Time. I know this app. It's an app that keeps track of all of our shows and episodes. It reminds us of when we have a new episode airing, too. Listen, apps like this are an absolute must today because today, first of all, there's still a bunch of network shows that people like to watch. I mean, let's not forget ABC, NBC, CBS. These are all still there, and they've got some very, very popular shows a lot of people like to watch. But on now on top of all that, you got the shows coming on Disney+, Plus, and you got the shows on Peacock, and you got the shows on Apple TV+, Plus, and you got the shows on Disney+, Plus, and you got the shows on HBO Max. And, like, there's so much content out there. Apps like that are absolutely essential to keep on top of things. All right. Uh, Suthius writes, The other day, fellow viewer Costas was asking about the 2008 spoof movie, Superhero Movie. He was asking how they got away with so many superheroes being in the movie. Superheroes, which were clearly homages and knockoffs of the ones we know very well. Okay, so that was probably a question I didn't understand what they were asking. Um, Yeah, that's not a bad question about like, okay, wait a minute. How can this spoof movie have like these ripoffs of all these superhero characters and that not be copyright infringement? The reason that is not copyright infringement is because under copyright there, and, and again, talk to a copyright lawyer, okay? Just if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're actually thinking about doing anything, actually talk to a copyright lawyer. But there is a provision in it that allows for parody. Parody is something you are allowed to do without worrying about copyright. So if you make a spoof movie and you do it in a parody of Superman, you can do that because it's parody. You're allowed, it's the reason why Saturday Night Live can do a lot of stuff, because all the stuff they're doing is spoof and parody. So yes, movies like that do not need to go, although I do wish that movie never existed because it's terrible, but movies like that don't need to get permission because their stuff very clearly falls under the category of parody. All right, next up. Uh, thanks for, for bringing that up, Suthius. An anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John, I am fascinated by Ridley Scott directing two block. This is great. This is the year of Ridley Scott. I am fascinated by Ridley Scott directing two movie blockbusters that are coming out so close together. The Last Duel, which I'm going to go see tonight, and The House of Gucci, which looks amazing. Uh, Do you know any other directors that directed two big movies that have been released so close together? You know what? That is a good question. Let me ask you guys in live chat. I can't think of any off. I'm sure it's happened. But I can't think of any off the top of my head. Can you guys think of one director? 
that is directed two really big films that are coming out so close together at the same time. I I honestly can't I honestly can't remember. Uh, Matt Jada is saying Spielberg, Jurassic Park, and Schindler's List. Did those two movies open close to each other? Because you know me, I'm terrible with movie dates. I'm absolutely terrible with movie dates. Um, at any rate, so just so you let you guys know, I am going to go see um, Last Duel tonight, and we're going to go see Halloween tonight as well. So keep an eye open for uh, me putting up right out of the theater reactions to both the last duel and Halloween tonight. But yeah, a bunch of people are saying Jurassic park fan Jack fan Jack just put throwing that in there. Thomas, how far apart did those guys release? How far apart for those of you who may not, who may know how far apart did Jurassic park and Schindler's list get released? Cause I didn't even know they released in the same year. That's how bad I am with movie dates. Uh, but if any of you guys know, cause everybody's saying that, uh, let's see. Jurassic Park came out in June of 93 and Schindler's List came out in uh, December of 93. So that's pretty close. That's a good one. But yeah, it everything looks pretty good for Ridley Scott right now because I think Last Duel looks fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited about House of Gucci. So we'll see how those ones turn out. All right. Thanks for the help, guys, in the live chat. Next up, we got Ethan Holgate who writes one of three. Hi, John. Curious, have you ever seen an 80s show called Voyagers? I I don't think I have. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. I was watching a few of my favorite episodes a couple of nights ago, and man, it always made me sad that Lee John Eric Hexum died at such a young age. Uh, he had such a cool and handsome look to him, and honestly, I don't know. Uh, I don't. And honestly, I know he's an American, but I think he would have made a great James Bond in Voyagers. Beautiful women can't take their eyes off him. LOL. But great fun show, Voyagers. It only ran for a short time. Also, just curious, when you were a kid, what was the first movie that truly blew you away? Well, obviously Star Wars. Uh, the first truly blew you away. Uh, for me, funny enough, it was The Little Vampire starring Jonathan Lip. Lip Nicky and Richard E. Grant. I don't know what it was about that film, but it blew my mind uh, when I first saw it. Yeah. So uh, first of all, Ethan, I'm not familiar with Voyagers. Uh, I mean, obviously I know uh, Star Trek Voyager. I know that, but Voyagers is something I'm not familiar with off the top of my head. I'm sure if I saw a clip of it, I'd probably go, oh yeah, yeah, I know that, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But as far as the first movie, that blew me away. It's the first movie I ever remember watching. As a matter of fact, it's my earliest childhood memory. My earliest memory is of my mom showing five-year-old John uh, the original Star Wars. And I don't have another memory for years after that. But that one stuck with me, and it kind of created my whole lifelong love affair uh, with movies at that point. So, uh, yeah, there's that. All right, uh, next up. Thanks for writing that in, Ethan. Uh, Where are we at? Your name writes, you often mention Dolby Prime. When I view the info for my closest AMC, it states Dolby Cinema at AMC. Is that the same thing? Yeah, it's essentially the same thing. They're all going to have the Dolby projection. They're going to have the Atmos sound. They're going to have the leather reclining seats. So it's this, I know they have some kind of distinction at AMC now, but essentially, I believe it's essentially the same thing. So yes, your name looking for that you got the right theater uh all right next up we got the walking dead fan rights uh 
Hey, John, I am currently going through a rough time with an anxiety disorder. Sorry to hear about that, man. And I want you to know that your show takes the pain away. You are an inspiration and please know that you help and change people's lives by simply doing your show. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Well, look, it is the power of movies and stories. You know, when we can get, number one, when we can just sit down and watch a great movie or a great story in a TV show, I've often said it's not just an escape, it's an oasis. It gives us two hours to let our minds take a break, to let us imagine the way the world could be, the way the world was, the way the world is, all that kind of stuff. And when we come out of it, all of our real life problems are still there, but we feel like we're a little bit more equipped to deal with it. Because we've given our minds a break, we've refreshed ourselves, we've let our imaginations come alive a little bit, and maybe it just gives us a little bit of a different perspective. The real world problems are still there, but maybe now we can handle them a little bit differently. And getting together in communities of film fans, it does the same thing. When we can spend a half hour, an hour, two hours of talking about movies and those things with our fellow fans, it can have the same effect. And that's why I love movies, and that's why I love the movie-loving community. And uh, we're really glad that you're a part of it with us, Walking Dead fans. So thanks for sharing that very much, my friend. All right, next up, Sam Fisher writes, I asked about Dolby versus IMAX the other day, but going into my local AMC, I don't see a Dolby. What I do see is something called IMAX with laser. Is that just Dolby under a different name? No, it's something totally different, but it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, IMAX with laser projection is awesome. It's not Dolby. It's not AMC Prime. It's, it is something completely different, but it is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful viewing experience. So I would still personally choose the Dolby AMC Prime thing, but that IMAX would be a terrific viewing experience. It's different, but you're going to have a good time. All right. Uh, next up, we got Russell Amador who writes, Hey, John, one of my highly long-delayed anticipated movies, Antlers, whoo, uh, comes out the end of the month. At least I believe it is while writing this. Anyway, do you think they'll provide another trailer? Honestly, it's been quite hushed. No, as a matter of fact, I believe they put out another trailer like a week ago. I think another trailer for Antlers, I think they're calling it the final trailer, came out a week ago. I am very excited about this movie. I think it looks great. Because it's got, first of all, it's got Jesse Plemons in it. And I've always liked Jesse Plemons. But it's also got, guys, who's the girl from Felicity? The star Felicity. And then she starred in Americans. And she was just in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. What's her, what's her name again? She was in Felicity. Come on, guys in the live chat. Help me out here. Scotty H was the first person to get it in. Carrie Russell, Joseph also got it, Josie, Evelyn, Brian, uh, Jared, uh, Music Vixen. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, Carrie Wilson. So uh, it's got Carrie Russell, I mean. Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons. It looks freaky as hell. It looks freaky as hell. I'm very excited about it. But like I said, do go and look on YouTube. I think you'll find that they did drop another trailer a few days ago. All right. Uh, next up, A. Marcellus writes, I know a lot of film fans hold Dark Knight and Skyfall as the definitive films in the Batman and Bond franchise. Personally, I think I, th I like Casino Royale the best. Casino Royale is my personal favorite, but uh, for the Bond stuff. But do you think Batman Begins and Casino Royale set the standard and ushered in the era of the gritty reboot? Uh, they were only a year apart. Um, 
I mean, look, Batman Begins is great. I love Batman Begins. I I don't think it's near the same level as The Dark Knight. Like, I, I think Batman Begins is great. It's definitely better than The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, but Casino Royale, I thought, it, it's still my favorite Bond film. Certainly of the Daniel Craig era, but I think overall, uh, Casino Royale is absolutely, is actually my favorite Bond film, period. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but you're right. Skyfall gets most of the attention. I think Casino Royale is even, be, uh, even better. Dark Knight, many people consider it to be maybe the greatest comic book film of all time, but you shouldn't overlook Batman Begins because there wouldn't be a Dark Knight if it was for Batman Begins, and Batman Begins is pretty great on its own. All right, uh, next up, Sam Fisher writes, one of two. Uh, can we talk about the effects if the writer's strike, or probably mean of the writer's strike, can we talk about the effects of the writer's strike? Because I noticed that after the strike, uh, mainly in TV, that shows went from full theme sequences where they, sh- where they shows the actor's name and face to just a title card and then listening to actor and listing actors in the lower third. Uh, was this so writers could get more out of every episode? I don't think so. Uh, because I noticed shortening of season length from 25 episodes to like 20 episodes and that episode releases instead of being every week are every week for a little while and then take a break or at some point uh, a new episode every other week or every couple of weeks. Is this because of the writer strike of 2007? I don't think so. Listen, the TV industry has always gone through always evolves and it always goes through different phases and it tries different things. And I personally think, and I don't know this for sure. You'd have to ask the, the head of, you know, the writer's guild of America, if this is true or not, but I don't see any causality there. I think that's just a part of the natural evolution of things. And by the way, moving towards shorter seasons was something that was already kind of in the early stages of development before the writer's strike, because internationally, a lot of that's been done too. So it's an interesting question, Sam. I don't personally think there's any causality there. I don't think there's a connection. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, like I said, somebody in the WGA may disagree with me, but I don't think there's any cause and effect there. But it's a great question to ask, and it's a good observation. All right, next up. Gabby writes, we just got a few minutes left here. I'll try to get through as many as I can. Uh, John and Rob, and Rob's not here today. Today is a glorious day. My first ever screenplay is a semifinalist at the International Screenwriters Association's sci-fi and fantasy genre-busting screenplay competition. I just can't wipe the stupid grin off my face. Gabby, first of all, congratulations on writing a screenplay. Everybody talks about, I'm going to write a screenplay or I'm going to write a book, but they never do. And then some people actually start writing and realize this is way harder than we thought, and they never finish. It is very few that actually get through to completion. So number one, Gabby, congratulations for actually writing a screenplay and getting all the way through it. And then, of course, congratulations for being a semifinalist in this thing. That is great. Congratulations to you, and I hope for good things for you moving forward, my friend. All right, next up, Chris Jordan writes, Hey, John and Rob. Obviously, Rob's not here. I remember Rob talking about Tatane the other week. I saw it last night at an advanced London film festival screening. I thought it was fantastic. It's hard to find words to describe it, but it is the best film I've seen this year. You know, I keep hearing really good things about it. And you're right. Robert was talking about it the other day and talking about it in very glowing uh, ways and how anticipated he was anticipating he is for it. Um, 
Sounds great. I'm looking forward to checking it out myself. I'm glad you had a chance to see it, Chris. And thanks for sharing your two cents worth and uh, putting that on everybody's radar. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Next up. (laughs) Crunk Idaho's town mayor. I believe I made up a town yesterday called Crunk Idaho. Anyway. Well, Miss or hello, Mr. John Campy. I just watched your show today and I just wanted to so appreciate uh, I just wanted to so appreciation for you for acknowledging our fair town. Then you were big let me try this again. Then you we're big fans of you here uh, and you and crew brighten our days every day. Thanks again and am I saying it right? Bring on the filthy, bring on the filthy. Well, thank you so much for that mayor of Crunk Idaho and am I told made up yesterday i appreciate that all right next up uh we've got fanimator who writes buy one rent one lose one joker into the spider-verse the dark knight um actually easy for me um i think the dark knight is a top three comic book movie ever made so that's we'll buy that one into the spider-verse is one of my favorite comic book movies for years i rent that one i love joker love it love it love it but if i if you're saying i have to lose one i'll lose joker so i'll buy dark knight rent spider-verse lose joker although i wouldn't want to lose any of them to be honest with you uh all right next up we've got uh mr burns writes one of two uh Hey, John, how are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. I just recently seen the newest trailer uh, to the Shrink Next Door. I can't with That's um, Paul Rudd and uh, Will Ferrell and Katherine Hahn, and it looks hilarious. Um, I just seen the newest trailer to the Shrink Next Door, and I got to say, this is another series I am looking forward to to see coming from Apple. It's weird seeing Paul Rudd un. un- unnerving and creepy and it's great to see Catherine Hahn the trailers look I remember the first trailer came out for it a long time ago and I thought well this looks interesting the latest trailer looks absolutely like must watch TV like absolutely like must watch TV I cannot wait to see this thing Um, it just it looks fantastic it looks wonderful seeing that kind of role reversal I've never seen Paul Rudd play a character like that uh, before so i cannot wait to see it looks great if you guys haven't seen the trailers for the shrink next door go and look it up on youtube you're gonna be glad that you did and i can't wait to watch this um sorry he felt the uh, uh as in as well have you seen the trailer for it and what are your thoughts so yeah i have seen the trailer and there are my thoughts all right thanks for writing that in mr burns next up we've got anton riley who writes so john did you hear that the that iatsi will happen on monday if a deal is not reached by then yeah so obviously you didn't watch the show yesterday we covered that extensively uh if a deal is not reached by then if so then you'd have one big main topic on uh on that day's show also would be catastrophic for the film industry but it needs to be done for their benefit i mean yeah look this is nothing short of an armageddon situation if the IATSE or IATSE goes on strike, it shuts everything down. That Mandalorian series they started shooting this week stops. That Secret Invasion series that Samuel Jackson just announced to the world that they just started shooting stops. Everything stops. Every movie in production stops. It is a cataclysmic event that is coming. The only hope is that the producers and IATSE can come to an agreement before Monday. I, am, I have been very optimistic that they will make a deal. 
and you know they'll they'll compromise. I mean, I don't think Atsu will get everything they want, but hopefully they'll get a bunch of things that they need to improve to improve quality of life and making a livable wage. And I think producers aren't going to get everything they want. They're going to have to spend some more money. They're going to have to understand people got more better time and everything needs to be given. And they'll get some things that they'll want. But the closer we get to the deadline, the less optimistic I am. So here's hoping that Monday will come and we're going to be talking about a new deal being made. Hopefully Monday will come and we'll be talking about all the cool things we saw at DC Fandom. Hopefully we're not going to get to Monday and have to talk about how the entire industry is now shut down. So uh, now uh, Langley M. Neely is saying, is this going to affect the movie theaters too? No, it won't affect the movie theaters because there's already a ton of movies that are already done that are just waiting to come into theaters like that have been done and finished for a long time, sitting on shelves, waiting to come out in theaters. So you're not going to feel the effects in the movie theaters right away. Uh, But we'll feel the effects later on. So here's hoping a deal gets done. Here's hoping a deal gets done. All right. Uh, Anton Riley writes, um, just realized, John, next Monday is October 18th. It is indeed. Uh, that's the day of Eternals world premiere, which you are going to, you lucky son of a bitch I am. If the IATSE strike happens, it'll be that day. It would be a big day. Yeah, it's going to be weird, man, because if the strike does happen, it's going to be a weird environment at that premiere that night. Because you're going to have a lot of people who are producers and a lot of people who are probably IATSE members all at that premiere. It's it's going to be it's going to be like a family dinner, a family Thanksgiving dinner where like half the family is Republican and half the family is Democrat during an election year. Yeah, probably a lot of tension, probably a lot of tension. So again, keeping finger. I mean, I listen, I get it. I understand we had a friend of mine, uh, Spencer, who is an IATSE member, him and his wife both are. We had him on the show yesterday to explain to everybody kind of what's going on. Um, I really hope they're able to come to a deal, man. I really hope they're able to come to a deal. All right. Next up, uh, where are we at here? We are at Marie Seifring, who writes, hey, John. I know that your trinity of the three worst films ever made are, but have you seen the 1991 film Nothing But Trouble? I do remember seeing that. Demi Moore, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, uh, John Candy. Oh, I forgot John Candy. 13% critic ratings, gross out humor. Is it on your top three worst comedies list? Probably not. I mean, I I remember it being awful. It's been forever. I mean, it's it's been probably 20 years since I've seen it. Um, it's been forever, but... It doesn't stick in my mind like that is truly one of the most horrible movie watching experiences I've ever had. So terrible, probably. Uh, I don't really have a top three list of what are the worst three comedies I've ever seen. I don't really have one of those. But if I did, I don't think it would be on the list. I mean, it would definitely be on one of the awful list, but I don't know that it'd be my top three worst one ever, Marie. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we got Roy Kent. Oi, Campia. Fuck. I love Roy Ken. One of my favorite characters on TV right now. Uh, the Artur writes, uh, Hey, John. Uh, love the, I love the show. Thank you so much, The Artur. It's becoming part of my daily routine. I was curious where your favorite spot is to sit in a movie theater. And if that preference is uh, changes for premium auditoriums like Dolby or IMAX. Yes, they do. And this is a great question that we should all be talking about. Okay, so here's the thing. 
in movie now it's it all depends on if a movie theater has this one feature okay and most of the amc auditoriums are like this so if a movie theater has two main sections of seating most most of the back part and then you know kind of a, a main walkway with then a front three or four or five aisles of seats if i'm in one of those theaters i personally love to be in the front row of that back section because in that front row are two big areas that have no seats in front of it but just have like handrail bars I love sitting in those seats because I get to sit and I get to put my feet up on the bars or put my legs here and I'm not disturbing anybody by doing it. I find it very comfortable. It's still a very, very good, comfortable viewing angle of the screen. That's where I like to sit. So when I jump on uh, like AMC's website to book a seat, the first thing my eyes look for is, is the front row of that main back section where the railing parts are, are there's about six seats, three over on this side, three over on this side. Are one of those seats available? And if so, damn right, I'm snapping one of those seats up. Otherwise, um, if not, then I just generally like sitting closer to the back, maybe two or three rows in from the very back center. So if the if the theater has that feature, front row of the back section where the handrails are, I want to sit there. If not, then anywhere generally two or three rows from the back. Hell, even the back is fine uh, near the middle. So that's kind of my seating preference. Very important topic of conversation. Very, very important topic of conversation. All right, guys. We almost got through all the questions here today. There are still a few more to come from Isaiah, Keith, uh, Jabin Carter, Dangerous Dean, a couple of others. Uh, do not worry, guys. If you sent in a question and we didn't get to it yet, we will pick right up where we're leaving off on the John Campia show tomorrow. Uh, so that'll be me and Robert Meyer Burnett tomorrow. Love to see you guys there. Cannot wait to have you guys come and join us for that. Thank you guys to all of you for making this show a part of your day. Uh, thanks to Aaron Cummings for bringing her point of view to everything. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in the super chat badges and obviously sent in the tip questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. So guys, thanks so much for that. Again, keep your eyes open on the channel tonight. I will be putting up my quick out of the theater reactions to both the last duel and the new Halloween film. Keep your guys eyes open for that. And then we'll see you again on the John Campia show tomorrow. So guys, that'll do it. For this installment of the John Campus Show, please remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.